What's up, bench warmers? Welcome into a very special edition of the Far End of the Bench podcast. We just had the debut of our new series as Nico's taken a little bit of a break, a step back to focus on his day job because he's got a day job that matters. Good, good on him being, being uh, 24 and having a job that he actually cares about. But not to fear, along with the Ride in the Pine debut, I have am back on this special bonus Friday edition with uh, a special guest that came on very last minute. So I appreciate that. Peter Andrasani of the PTV Sports Network. You can find them on YouTube and Twitter, YouTube PT Sport, PTV Sports Network, Twitter at PTV Sports Posts. Uh, but Peter, thank you very much for coming on last minute. I, uh, I'm looking forward to this. We were talking a little bit before we started recording. This sounds like we got a lot of similar interest in sports and we're relatively the same age. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, man, I can't wait. I'm, uh, thank you again for having me on. I, I, you were the first one really to get back to me. When I, I post, because, you know, actually, it's funny that you mentioned your co-host, um, you know, took time off to focus on his day job. And I actually just started a new job um, a couple weeks ago, and it's been very time consuming. And I had like time constraints on podcasts and YouTube episodes as, as it was. So now I was also working like nights. So it was kind of weird. Now I'm working days. So now it's even more difficult to kind of find that happy medium. But um yeah that now i'm finally getting back to it and uh thanks for having me on man i appreciate it it's uh obviously i know no i know that the twitter community that we've kind of we've we followed each other for a while we haven't really interacted but i was just randomly scrolling through not i i'm blessed with the fact that i get to be on a computer most of the day while i'm at work so i saw that post and i was like well yeah, I'm kind of looking for ideas to fill some content spots that don't necessarily want our feed to go quiet because we're, we're kind of plan, planning on a return to our normal episodes uh, for March Madness. So we wanted to get something going. And I was like, wow, what, what, are, the, what are the chances that somebody's <laughs> going to be reaching out? Like, you want collaboration? I'll be, I'll be down. I was like, yeah, I, I like your page. I've listened to a few of your episodes. I really enjoy the content that you put out, the I was just listening to your debacle of trying to get back to New York from Florida uh, on, oh. I think, your most recent episode. So that was a lot of fun to listen to. And I was like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and, and link up. He's from New York. So obviously I, I can we can bond over the fact that we, we both love the Yankees. And, uh, well, I'll be there. I'm, I'm used to being a shoulder to cry on for Jets fans, fans of our show. Uh, know that my brother is a big Jets fan. So I'll be here for, for support as well. But uh, just – Real quickly, kind of tell our listeners, people that haven't listened to your show before, uh, what the the PTV Sports Network is and kind of how you started that and, and what you're you're kind of doing with with that platform. So it like it initially started. We just passed our uh, two year anniversary at the beginning of January. So it initially started out uh, as a different name with one of my buddies, and it was just really it was more like a, a YouTube entity. So we would just go to a professional studio, actually, and we were recording a bunch of things like in advance and then just chopping it up and putting it on YouTube. And then, uh, you know, he was still in college at the time, so the, it just didn't really work out. And, and I was having a lot of fun with it because, you know, it, it was getting some decent engagement and like, I don't know, you know, you get to live out like a like a little mini dream. So I was like, you know, I don't want to let it die. Like, like, it, it's just a hobby, really. So you know, be that as it may. And then as, as time went on and as I like learned how to make content and learned how to make podcast episodes, you know, things started rolling and, and things are, are knock on wood, you know, getting a lot more successful now. So 
uh, that's really cool. But but the YouTube channel and the podcast are really two separate entities. The podcast is just kind of kind of like where I go on to just like rant, talk with my friends, you know, talk about what's going on, um, baseball, football, all that kind of stuff. I do a pick 'em podcast for the well now 18 weeks of the NFL season. So now that, you know, that kind of dried up, I've been having a lot of my friends on just shooting the shit, you know, just, just really talking and, and, and having good conversations. But the YouTube channel is really a lot of subjective content Um, recently because of the whole unfortunate, you know, things going on with the, with the MLB and the labor situation, the lockout. I haven't really been able to post anything about baseball because nothing's going on. So I've been uh, occupying my time with a bunch of NFL draft content. So I, uh, like a few months ago, I just said to myself, I'm like, you know what, it would really be a good idea to to get myself out there and try and hit every single NFL fan base. So I'm going to be crazy and I'm going to make a seven round mock draft for every single NFL football team. So I'm actually up to number I have to after we're done tonight, I have to record uh, the 23rd one. So I'm almost there. <laughs> sort of kind of you're a brave soul. I mean. Uh, that's an ambitious goal to start off with for sure. That's you got to be like happy for people like Les Snead that are just, you know, screw the draft. I don't need it. We draft picks. Who cares? I'll buy somebody in free agency. We got the pocketbook. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't even done the Rams yet because yeah. there's just nothing to pick from. I looked at their, their, they, they got like seven picks and like four of them are seventh rounders. So there's really nothing that they could do this year. Right. Right. <laughs> no, obviously the, as speaking of a rebrand, it's fitting because uh, before this show was the far end of the bench, I, I was the one who initially started. It was called center of attention at that point. I played center in college. So uh, I was finally stepping behind a microphone. I had done like radio broadcasting. So that is also a kind of serendipitous connection between, between our two platforms. But when you were going through that, that initial change, were you always interested in maybe like, getting a platform to talk about sports were you more just a guy that would get together with friends and, and have debates um, and then decided to put it out on recordings was this kind of a plan or did this happen and you just kind of stumbled and, and kept going along with it so the the way that it actually like started at, at the beginning beginning was uh it, i proposed the idea to like a couple of my friends where i was like hey man like we should start a youtube channel because we always have great like sports conversations and I know that people like to just listen to people talk like it's, it's just a thing especially about sports and a lot of my friends were like eh, it's kind of a stupid idea like I don't think anyone's really gonna think like listen to it and I was like yeah you're probably right and then my buddy that I actually started it with uh was I don't know if you know Iona College but it's up in New Rochelle in New York and and uh he went there for uh communications major so he called me one day to talk about the playoffs that were coming up in 2019 going to 2020 for the nfl and we were talking about the bills against the texans and i literally said to him i was like yeah you know like i actually just talked to a couple of my other friends they said it was a stupid idea and he's like bro you know that i go to college for communications he was like let's hop in the studio like i could book us a time and let's get in there and i was like all right what the hell and then immediately you know like when you have an idea and then actually you, you take steps towards like that idea coming to fruition. Yeah. I was like, no, nothing stands in the way of doing it. Yeah. That's when I was like, Oh, I don't know. It's too good to be true. I was like, you know, it, it's going too fast, but you know, we got in there, we hopped in the studio. It was a tremendous time. 
Uh, I felt like completely natural behind the mic, which was something I was worried about. And then I just, it just took off from there. And like I said, I wish that he could still do it with me. We had such a good uh, dynamic. I actually had him on a couple episodes ago to celebrate the 100th episode of my podcast, but you know, he just can't do it. He's got a, a, a full-time job now as well during the day. It, it just wouldn't work out, but it, it was a great time while we were together, but uh, I creatively, like we kind of hit a wall. And then once he left, I was like, should I continue this or not? And then I started really getting more on the YouTube side and then creating like YouTube videos. And that's when I saw like the, like the exponential growth. And I was like, all right, like if people are enjoying what I'm going to say, then I'll keep making stuff and see what happens. And the, you know, it's been working out well so far. (laughs) So yeah, obviously, I've seen your stuff all around your social media and being another a fellow, you know, independent podcaster creator in the space. You keep tabs on on other shows that you kind of feel like you'd enjoy. And there's been a few people throughout our, our time where we've really started to grow on Twitter where you're like, yep, we pretty much talk about the same things, have similar takes, have, have some that we we don't probably won't agree on at all but that's funny to go back to your you know starting your show and the similar like when nico and i started it was he was the more marketing and and i was the communications major so i was the one sitting in a college radio station like uh i mean i know all of this stuff what what am i going to use it for so uh, i it's kind of as we continue to unravel this i'm sure we'll we'll have more and more similarities that come through uh you're born and raised in new york so i, I mentioned your your yankees sure. affiliation your your jets affiliation we, again we apologize so sorry <laughs> for that um it's but what is what has kind of been you know your thoughts since the super bowl since the super bowl has ended and uh you will actually also i'll flip this around and you'll be the interviewer at, at some point but just initially the rams matthew stafford winning a Super Bowl, pretty much cementing a Hall of Fame career, initial takeaways from Super Bowl 56. So I'll I'll give you like a quick backstory. Uh, I always thought and anyone who's like ever listened to the early stuff of my podcast knows that I've been a thorough Matthew Stafford apologist for his entire career. I always thought that the guy was a tremendous talent and he was just being wasted by the fact that he played in Detroit. And, you know, he's kind of a... I don't want to say an obsolete type of quarterback, but like that gunslinger type of almost no mobility quarterback doesn't really work in the NFL anymore. So a lot of people were thinking, oh, you know, like this guy, he's just, he just like, he's mediocre. That's all he's ever going to be. Never won a playoff game, all that kind of stuff. And, and um, I've always, I was super excited for him to get there because I was like, wow, this guy really deserves it. And then on the other hand, my favorite player to watch, well, basically this year and then for um, some of last year was Joe Burrow. I've always loved Joe Burrow, you know, since he really came on the scene. What was that, 2019? Um, yeah, when 2019 he, was his LSU run. Uh, yeah, when he and, came on the scene with the 60 touchdowns and, yeah. you know, the, the championship and everything. He was just such a cool, like a cool guy. You just wanted to root for him because he just oozed that type of confidence and like that. He was just a winner. Like no, whether you liked it or not, he was probably going to win. Uh, sorry. And, and then, um, you know, they got to the Super Bowl and I was like, I really don't know who I want to win, but me being a a New Yorker, we like stereotypically don't really like Los Angeles. So 
like I was like, I'd rather see Cincinnati win, but I wasn't going to hate the fact that LA won because I wanted to see Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham get a ring. But I thought the game, I thought the game was good. The one gripe I have about the game is that basically the referees let both teams play the entire game all the way up until like two minutes left. And then they just started throwing a bunch of penalty flags. But other than that, I thought it was a solid game. I I thought maybe there could have been a little bit more action considering how explosive both offenses are, but I I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it, it started off a lot more exciting, but the middle of that game had a very, I mean, the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl against Patriots had a lot of similar feel to that type of game where neither offense is moving the ball very well. And then you had the young coach in this, instance it was Zach Taylor and not really knowing what to do in that situation like oh my god I'm leading in the Super Bowl and it's the end of the third quarter what am I gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna Kyle Shanahan this thing up I'm gonna just call (laughs) the opposite of what's been working because I I've probably just tortured myself over the last two weeks since since that game ended and listening to sports opinions that I I like and like Mark Schlereth has a local station out here in Denver he's on on the morning show and he's watching the all 22 and he's like, they go in with 13 personnel. It's 14 yards of carry for Joe Mixon for the Bengals. They could have done that the entire, entire second half and been just fine, but they wanted to have their three headed monster receiver show out. Yep. So they, you know, left the bad offensive line on, on an Island pass blocking and Aaron Donald and Von Miller made them pay. So th- there's a, a lot that ended up going wrong down the stretch, but refereeing was pretty much, it stood out right away because the the penalties that they missed on the Bengals, I'll throw that out there first. But then on that pass interference, quote unquote, penalty on Logan Wilson, four out of five offensive linemen jumped off sides before that. I think the only one that didn't move was the center. Uh, it it would have just been nice to have a consistent feel throughout the entire game. If the Bengals still lose in that situation, that feels a lot better than you call a pass interference when I've seen a guy yank a dude's helmet off and not get called. Plus, Everybody jumped off sides. What's going on here? Did you guys have late action on the game? Did you take the second half under? What, what's going on? Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, I mean, if there, is, if there is even really anything to ask about that whole T. Higgins, um, you know, the, the face mask. But I will say that I was uh, incredibly for it because I had uh, a very nice line of T. Higgins going over 100 yards in a touchdown. So, when he caught that that seventy five yard touchdown, I went over both of those, and I was yeah. I was very excited about that. But but in terms of, of actual like integrity of a football game, that was a pretty bad call or no call. Um, right, right. It was so. it was bad on both sides, and and the worst part about it too, like that matchup, Andrew Whitworth was the left tackle for the Bengals. Like he was our Joe Thomas for a very long time. So, yeah. am I mad to see him finally win a championship? No. Would I have rather him stuck it out and be in the god-awful years that we had leading up to getting Joe Burrow and finally turning things around? I would like it, but it's definitely not realistic. So there were storylines on both sides that made me kind of iffy about who. I was obviously rooting for the Bengals, but it was difficult because those guys deserve to win just as much as the Bengals deserve to win now. Um, I'm really hoping against hope that we don't get a Dan Marino situation because oh. what Joe, what Joe Burrow did this season, I saw the stat. He's the most recent guy to throw for 4,000 yards in a season, 30 touchdowns and have a 70% completion percentage. And Aaron Rodgers in 2020, when he won his first of back-to-back MVPs was the other guy that was most recent. So 
obviously they got something cooking. Yeah. It, it, it ain't hard to figure out what they need. So if you've done the Bengals, you, you might have given us a sneak peek as to who I, they drafted. I have actually. Um, I was going to get into that in, in a, a couple minutes, but what I wanted to say, the first thing is that regardless of how old Andrew Whitworth is, you definitely could have used him on the line. <laughs> he could be 50 and you mm. could, and you could probably use him on the line. That line is absolutely atrocious. And I'll be the first one to admit that going back to when I really started cup, co- well, I really started covering draft topics in 2020 but then last year is really when i got like really interested in it. i started watching more film like i started formulating really my own opinions on prospects instead of just kind of relying on what mel kuyper and daniel jeremiah say because that's a terrible way to formulate an opinion especially with mel kuyper but um unless you have your pumpkin pie slice for the day <laughs> but yeah like last year i kept saying to myself i was like i know that in my heart, because I'm, I'm an old school type of football fan. Like I, the game is one in the trenches. It'll always be one in the trenches, in my opinion. And I was thinking, regardless of how good Joe Burrow is, regardless of how good T Higgins is, uh, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, I was like, they need an anchor on that offensive line. And I was hoping that they were going to draft Panay Sewell and they didn't. And they went with Jamar Chase. And obviously in, in the long run, it looks that much better because, you know, Joe Burrow got sacked 70 times in total throughout the entire season. But they made it to the Super Bowl and Jamar Chase had one of, if not the best rookie seasons of all time. You know? Yeah, there's good. I mean, you couldn't really go wrong with either take, because if the Bengals drafted Penny Sewell, I don't think that they have a playoff run or come close to winning the division. But you mm-hmm. can look at the roster and go, well. They got some – now you get to add weapons in this draft. Yes, you missed out on what could be one of the best receivers uh, of this generation, but we can still build it and kind of get through there. My biggest thing, I had – Nico had talked me into finally shifting over to draft Jamar Chase before draft day, and, and I was – I'm a former offensive lineman. I was like, you got to solidify the trenches. If you yeah. don't have a left tackle for – we saw what happened. Joe Burrow's knee is in three different pieces right now because they don't have an offensive line. Um, So that's where I started. I came full circle. My biggest thing was they missed on being able to get Tevin Jenkins in round two. He ended up getting drafted five picks before. That's who I really wanted. Just the attitude that he played with at Oklahoma state. He plays in a position that you need. Even if he can't play tackle right away, you put him in at guard and you can run the football between, between the two guards. Because, you know, everything else besides the tackle and, and the right guard were, were fairly solid. So that was my biggest thing about that. But, yeah, I, I think that you can go either way on on the fact that they should have drafted Panay Sewell. Either way, like we saw what happened when they drafted Jamar Chase. Is it going to be that much worse? No, maybe not. I mean, this this offseason definitely is a, a seismic shift depending on what choice you made at, at that level of the draft. Yeah, uh, I'll be the first one to say that uh, I actually did it um, recently. I think it was it wasn't too long ago at all. It was uh, six days ago. uh, I did the Bengals and my first two picks were offensive linemen. I think regardless of, you know, I've seen a lot of people in the comments say, oh, my God, one of my favorite comments. You'll probably get a kick out of this was um, this guy goes listen, this is what I want to propose to you. And I'm a big, I'm a big believer in always replying to comments, whether it's stupid, whether it's good. I think that just getting other people's perspective is, is like a, a really, a really good way of, of having good football conversations. And, you know, you never know, you might make a friend or two, who knows, but um, 
this guy goes, let me tell you what I would do if I was, if, if I was the front office. And he says, the first thing I would do is trade my first and third round pick for Laremi Tunsil. And I was like, all right, we're already off to a bad start. Uh, and then he goes, then I would, I would sign Teron Armstead. And then I would sign uh, Brandon Sheriff. And, and then what, <laughs> there was another one that he said, another, ta- another tackle. And I was like, okay, great. And I was like, who's playing guard? Who's playing center? He was like, get rid of the rest of the linemen. And he was like, ah, whoever loses the tackle battle, that's how you put inside. And I said, okay. I said, so, so where are you getting? The, so where are you getting the money? He goes, the Bengals have plenty of cap space. I said, okay. So next year, when a lot of big contracts hit, I was like, where are you getting the cap space next year? And the guy was like, we'll worry about that when it comes to it. And I was like, you know, you got it, buddy. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, you definitely don't fix offensive line play through free agency because no, you know the best offensive lineman that you would trade for in free agency? They get second and third contracts. Yep. They don't hit the free agent market unless you get a situation like an Andrew Whitworth where a guy put in 10 years in a terrible situation. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't need to be fixing the offensive line through – free agency at all i mean our free agent acquisition on the offensive line this year didn't finish the season he was injured riley reef yeah what a difference he would have made in that playoff run in general because they probably don't give up nine sacks against tennessee and i doubt they give up seven in the second half of the super bowl yeah Um, that's that's what i um everybody can have an opinion it doesn't mean everybody should share their opinion yeah (laughs) yeah i mean that one was definitely one i could have went without seeing but at the same time I just like this might sound mean. I don't know if it does or not, but sometimes I love those comments the most because I really get a gauge of like what someone's really thinking or how they think that football works. Yeah. Where you can kind of compare your own your own knowledge or your own opinions. Like, do I sound like this? Should I sound a little bit more like this? Yeah. There's there's definitely some guys like people out there can be on point and have their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. More often than not those guys aren't going to be leaving a comment. Like they'll, they'll just take their opinion and, and give it out to their friends. The people who are writing the comment normally just think the first thing that comes out <laughs> into their head. They're like this. And you're like, no, that doesn't work. What are you talking about? I mean, like, first off, well, the one thing that he said in a comment back that I was like, all right, was he goes, well, if you think about it, <laughs> The bank, the Bengals' first and third round picks are really second and fourth round picks, and I was like, okay, I was like, I, I guess, like, it, not too far off. And then he go, and but then I said, where, like I said, where are you getting the money? Because the way that the NFL works now is you're not getting, you're not signing a good offensive tackle in free agency if it's not anywhere between sixteen to twenty million dollars a year. And almost, you could almost say the same thing goes with guard because of Joe Tooney's contract last year with, with the chiefs, it basically reset the market. And then the cheapest offensive lineman you're going to get is a center who still a good center could probably cost you about 12 to $15 million a year. So if you're building your offensive line through, through free agency, you're in 40% of your cap is going to be in five players. And we're definitely going to expect this from the cheapest organization in professional football. Oh my God. Like, Oh, we all know the storyline going into the game was this would be the first team to win a Super Bowl in the modern era without an indoor practice facility. So we think that they're going to spend $16 million on three separate free agent offensive line contracts. No, they'll hope they're definitely going to build through the draft. 
My issue with that is they don't employ a, a draft staff, like a, a decent enough scouting staff to know who they should draft. So uh, we might get another Billy Price situation when they do draft offensive linemen. But uh, yeah, it's obvious that they could either go the way of those Dolphin teams with Dan Marino, or they could be back here and, and pull off, you know, be the team that everybody is thinking that they can be. As a Bengals fan, for as long as I have been, I'm just going to resign myself to the fact that they're going to screw something up and be pleasantly surprised, just the way that I did this season, because I said they're going to win seven games. When their over-under total came out at four and a half, I was like, they're winning more than four and a half games. Yeah, There's no way that they're going to lose. They're going to get to four, and then they're going to win, like steal a couple, three games. I did not expect 10 and seven, so I was pleasantly surprised with 10 and seven in a division championship. So now I'm just going to, you know, expect that they be a wild card team and be pleasantly surprised with whatever else they put out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'm, I love, I actually, I actually like admitting when I'm wrong more than admitting when I'm right. And I was dead wrong about the, the Bengals. I actually had them, I think at the beginning of the year, I had them going like, like six and 11 mm-hmm. only because my main concern was the offensive line where I was like, you know, if Joe Burrow has a, a eight tenths of a second to throw the football, he's never going to be able to get the ball off. And then it turned yeah. out that he had a fabulous year. Jamar Chase. Here's the thing: it ended up coming back to bite them in the Super Bowl because Jamar Chase had Jalen Ramsey on his face on like three or four different plays, but Burrow was getting sacked when it when it counted. So yeah, it, it makes sense. And the fact, like, this is the first time that the Bengals have swept the Ravens and the Steelers in the same season since I think 2004. So you're as you sit there and look at the Bengals schedule coming into this year, you're like they're gonna at best split every single team in their division yeah. because the AFC North is good. The AFC North has three really good teams and three really good quarterbacks, especially when you look at some of these other divisions. Like the three quarter three other quarterbacks in the AFC North are starters on all almost three Pretty out of much, four teams yeah. in in the AFC South at least, and that was a team that had the number one team in the conference or a division that had the number one team in the conference. So there's definitely arguments to be made on, on both ends. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you a question. I didn't get to ask you this. Um, how, you know, you, you're in Colorado. How did you become a Cincinnati Bengals fan? It is probably like as dumb a reason as you can get, but like we were, I was like four or five and my dad had my, we always had football on, on Sundays, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was the Broncos or not. And I liked the tiger stripes initially and I liked the uniform combination. And then I turned like five or six and that was when Carson Palmer had his run and towards ACL in, in the wild card. Thanks for bringing that back. That, that old wound back up uh, <laughs> against the Steelers even. Yeah. That was really where it was solidified. I love Carson Palmer and, and Rudy Johnson and Hushman Zada. And then uh, it was even, I like doubled down again in that 2015 run where Vontez Burfick scrambled Antonio Brown's brain. I, I, when I tell you, I almost had to take a week off of school. I had talked myself into that big of a hole. It was that bad. Like I showed up Monday and just the, I didn't, nobody had to say anything. I was already giving myself the hardest time that anybody else could. And everybody like, wow, this guy is a Bengals fan for no reason, but at least he's sticking to it. So, yeah. Oh man. I, Thanks, by the way, because, uh, you know, Fontes Perfect not only ruined 
Antonio Brown's career, but he ruined his life too. <laughs> now he's hanging out with Kanye West and and you know, yeah, God. pulling out MRIs, stating like this is what proves my case. And they're like MRIs from four months ago, dude. That's <laughs> not the incident you were talking about. Oh man, you know what was funny? My friend was at the game that he walked off the field. Um, and he texted me. I was actually watching the game on TV. I got up to go to the bathroom and and at the worst time because that's when it happened. So I came back and, and he called me like three times and texted me like five or six times. And I said, well, like he's at the game. What could he possibly be talking about? And I opened it up and he said, oh, oh my God, why did Antonio Brown walk off the field with his shirt off? And I was like, is this guy high? I'm like, what is he yeah. talking about? You're, you're <laughs> at the game. Like, what are you... <laughs> So I was like, what are you what are you talking about? And then I saw the replay and that that was just total debauchery. It was <laughs> I thought was, you were about to tell me you knew the guy that picked him up from the stadium because that was some yokel, I, some local New Yorker that's a major driver for one of the agencies up there. I was like, oh, don't tell me. Like you're buddies with the guy who picked him up from the stadium, aren't you? I, I just hope that Antonio Brown gave that uh Lyft driver a five-star rating. That's all I hope. <laughs> it it was uh, I mean, talk about picking a, a, the best place to lose your mind or the worst place to lose your mind. Uh, how is it being there? Is the New York, because being outside of New York, all you hear about is like how, how terrible the New York media is and how unfair, like ruthless they are with their athletes. Is it as bad as we perceive it to be? Or is it like at tame, being a, a guy that lives there, is it kind of tame compared to what we think it is? Um. So yes and no, because when I was like, when the Yankees were the evil empire and they were dominating the back page of, you know, the New York post and the daily news and everything like media was so hard on the Yankees. And then like, you'd see the Mets would get no love whatsoever. Like the Mets were never on the back page. And I'm not even trying to be like, like funny, like, Oh, the Mets are so inferior, but like, even when the Mets, so like the Mets had a, a game years ago where they made like seven errors in one game. And the Yankees lost like one nothing that day. And it was like, oh, my God, the Yankees are, are on a five game losing streak. I'm like, the Mets just had like the worst defensive game in, in baseball history. Mm. And you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's it's case by case. The Giants get run through the mud. The Jets get run through the mud. And the Yankees get run through the mud a lot. The Knicks, everyone basically expects the Knicks to be bad. So the New it like the Knicks are the New York darling. Like that's that team that even though they go like 17 and 56, you're like, it's okay. Like you tried, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're the, they're the teenager that you're enabling to stay in the house. And like, now if you get in trouble again, we're going to kick you out. And but it then, just never happens. Yeah. You always get in trouble and it's always the same, same speech that you give yourself. Yeah, like the whole thing with Kemba Walker that came out today that like, oh, he's injured. So he's going to sit out the rest of the year. Like, that there'll be nothing tomorrow on the back. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to send you the back page of the paper tomorrow. And I guarantee you it's a little strip on the bottom that says Kemba Walker out for the rest of the season. And that's basically what it is. So I would mm-hmm. say it's calmed down recently, like in, in the last couple of years. There's other stuff to fight over now in the media, especially yeah. in New York. So, yeah, you realize how kind of arbitrary it all is when, when, you know, when you think about the, the bigger picture, but there's still some times where where a lot of teams get ran through the mud, but but for the most part, it's pretty tame. Like there was, like the daily news at some points was like, I must see the back page. I got to see what that's all about. Now it's like, who gives a shit? You know, <laughs> it it's interesting just because the 
Denver is not a small media market, but just comparatively trying to look at the side, there's not even really a comparison that you could one like neighborhood paper probably is, is half as busy as, as the national media out here. And that's just the way that things are, things are busy in New York. There's a lot of people there, a lot of things going on. Um, so yeah, you picked a good city to be born and raised in to have a, a podcast that you have to generate content for. Um, speaking never of, run out. <laughs> I, I'm very, very positive that you probably don't. Uh, speaking of which, what's like the thing that's sticking in your craw the most? What's, what's the thing that you're like, you haven't been able to express your feelings on it, but you're like, is it, is it, is it your Knicks possibly making a run in the East for the Eastern conference? Is it, is it the jets like not being able to get out from underneath the Naboth curse? What do you got like take wise and give us a hot take so that, that we have something to clip for like a, a video later on. I'll give you a hot take right now that no one that no one likes to hear, especially from a Jet fan. But I firmly believe that with good drafting this year and impact players for the first three rounds, I think the Jets could easily be a wild card team this year. Like easily, they could turn it around on a similar anecdote like the Bengals did, but not to that degree. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I don't expect like a, a Super Bowl caliber you know run but i will say that there's immense pressure on the front office of the jets this year because now it's really no excuses like two years ago was joe douglas's first draft class like it it, it was okay you know we got a couple good starters out of it and then a couple unforeseen things like cameron clark like our fourth round uh, guard that was supposed to be a starter at some point had to retire because he had a spinal cord injury like there's some things that you can't like control last year I honestly think in terms of production throughout an entire draft class, I think the Jets had probably a top five draft class because there were points throughout the season where the Jets rookies were far and away the best players on the team. Like they were the high impact players. Like you think of Elijah Moore, you think of Michael Carter, you know, Zach Wilson coming back from injury, having less offensive line wise and weapon wise playing his best football of, of his, of that season. And now you have statistically the second highest graded pick selection in NFL history, which I don't really know how they grade pick selections, but you know, that was a stat. Yeah. And, and they literally had the jets as the second highest pick selection grade of all time, I guess, since that stat was taken, but you know, Hmm. they, they have four picks inside the first 38, Right then and there, you can get four day one starters that could be, I mean, it is the Jets, so we'll probably get none, but you can get four high level day one starters. And then the Jet. what I've noticed about the Jets, especially recently under Joe Douglas is don't count out those late round picks. Mm-hmm. A lot of the guys that Joe Douglas have drafted, like in the later rounds have been the high impact stars. You think of Bryce Hall who has been one of the bright spots on the Jets defense the past couple of years. And you think of Jason Pinnock, who played really well towards the end of the year. You think of Brendan Eccles, Michael Carter, the second, the slot cornerback. There's a lot of guys at, at the back end of the draft that he does, that he drafts really well. So I think if they can get the, if they can get the best draft class this year under Joe Douglas and pair that with a few good signings, because Joe Douglas doesn't really like to spend a lot of money. And he doesn't like to give out long-term contracts, but I'm looking at guys like if they could make a run at maybe Brendan Sheriff and then at Marcus Williams at safety, because I know for a fact that Jesse Bates will not hit, will not hit free agency. Well, he's not going to. I 
you say that, but that's a lot of money that they're going to have to pony up for him. And, and I will tell you like half of Bengals media and half of like Bengals fandom are not wanting him back because he had an up and down regular season, even though he had a 90 all the way throughout the playoffs. They're like, he had an up and down regular season. He's not worth it. I was like, shut up, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Continue. (laughs) But I think that if they can make, so like I, I am like, a lot of people say, so you look at, you look at teams that always have a lot of draft cap, like not draft capital cap space. So you look at the Jaguars are always up there. You know, the Browns for a long period of time were always up there in cap space. The chargers were up there in cap space for a long, a long time too. And this year they have the most cap space. Hmm. That's not a good thing. Having the most cap space every single year, because you look at how bad the Browns, like every year I was like, how do the Browns have $80 million in cap space? Cause they were terrible. So like the same thing with the jets, like the jets for the past six years, I can't, I can't remember since, since 2015, I can't remember a time where the jets had under about $65 million in cap space. You know what? If that takes you spending $55 million of that cap space paired with your draft class, and then you have a winner or you at least make the playoffs totally okay with that. We don't need to have 50 plus million dollars in cap space every single year. I mean, there are teams, look at, look at, what did the Chiefs have? $5 million in cap space last year. And then they signed Joe Tooney to an $80 million deal. Like, yeah. And the defending Super Bowl champions the last two years have both circumvented the salary cap to make sure that they have a team good enough to win. Because yeah. I mean, the way that things are structured now, that's pretty much what you have to do. You have like a two year stretch where you can get a guy on a contract where the money doesn't hit until the second year. And you're like, I'm rolling the dice. Here we go. Let's try and make this thing happen. Um, I, I can see that out of the Jets. I, I would sit here and say that that's not out of the realm of possibility, mainly because I trust your coach. Like, I haven't been able to say that about the Jets head coach for a long time, but Robert Sala, I was standing on the table last season for the Bengals to fire Zach Taylor and hire Robert Sala. Like, a guy that's available now, I didn't think that Taylor had the, the uh, culture that he had obviously generated, but you got a guy that can build a culture that's not going to have Greg Williams blitz your rookie quarterback 55 times a practice and have him totally scared on Sundays. No. Zach Wilson, he, he definitely has a lot of ups. I would say Zach Wilson probably has the potential to be a better quarterback than Mac, Mac Jones does. Mac Jones is probably about as good as he's going to be. He might get a little bit better, but he's not going to be overly great. Zach Wilson has the talent to be really special if he's in the right situation. So I agree with you there. And, you know, when they were when the Jets won games and I had to sit there and watch them beat the crap out of the Bengals for an afternoon, they just had they came out with like that hard hat mentality. Like, who are you? Yeah, I don't care. I'm going to punch you in the face and we'll see if you want to if you want to fight back, you're going to be able to overtake us. But if if I punch you in the face, and you back down. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And that's that's what Robert Sala brings to the table. I mean, like I knew going into the season, I, I actually had a guy. Um, who runs like a big jet media um, Twitter account. And, and he, he actually has his own website and everything. And it's pretty popular. I had him on my podcast before the season started and he was sitting here, you know, spewing information, all kinds of stats. And he was like, there's no reason why the Jets should, shouldn't win eight or nine games this year. And I was like, I just can't see it, man. I was like, I, I kept going. Like I felt like an ass because I was just like, I just can't see it. But I'm not going to sit here and agree with you and mm-hmm. say, yeah, I could see the Jets winning nine games with the roster that they had. At, with a rookie quarterback and especially the way that the rookie quarterback looked the first four games of the year. So, you know, like now, if you say, if he comes on this year and he's like, there's no reason the Jets shouldn't win 10 games, 
then I'm going to get behind that because, you know, another see the one thing that bothers me about the way that Zach Wilson played at the end of the year was that this was this is a very similar feeling to 2018 Sam, Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold was pretty awful throughout his entire rookie season. And then the last four weeks of the year, he set the world on fire and yeah. he gave the Jet fans a lot to look forward to. And then he basically never got better. That four game span was the best he ever played. And then he just kind of plateaued. But I think what was encouraging is that Sam Darnold did have all his weapons around him when that happened. And Zach Wilson had none and he still played pretty well. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, cause Elijah Moore didn't play. Michael Carter was only back for the last two games. Corey Davis was out. Basically Mikai Becton was out for the whole year. So that's your blindside blocker. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a lot of factors that, played into the Jets being bad, but Zach Wilson still played well under those circumstances. So it does make me feel better that he didn't have anyone and he played that well, but also I can't help but think in my Jet brain, it feels a little bit like Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't have it in front of me off offhand, but just thinking about it, Zach Wilson didn't play too much worse than Josh Allen played in his rookie season. Like, I, if I remember correctly, Josh yeah. Allen had a lot of moments where you're like, damn. A guy could play football in a lot of moments where you're like, Damn, this is why you went sucks. to Wyoming yeah. <laughs> and you had no offers coming out of college. That's the, you have both, both sides. So if I, I think Wilson's at like a, a impasse to where he's going to be Sam Darnold 2.0, or he could maybe show a little bit more of that talent that we're seeing. And, and for your sake, for my brother's sake, I hope that they start showing that. <laughs> I don't think that they play like if we do play the Jets, it'll be a one-off. It's not an every year thing. So I, think I don't mind if the Jets are good. I think we're playing each other again this year, this upcoming season. Good, because we need a we need a rematch after the the schoolyard beatdown that you guys gave us this past season. It was <laughs> ridiculous. Like I was Nico was so mad at me because he was doing this season long, like you pick one winner, you, you lock in one winner and try and go the season long. He's like Bengals play the Jets. Obviously, it's a lock for your team. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Let's go with that. And <laughs> didn't hear the end of it. Uh, no, but before I – so I don't take up too much of your time. I know you got to record your, your own show and everything like that. Now that the Super Bowl has ended, you've been talking about your draft stuff. Uh, obviously, you, you pay attention to the Knicks and, and pay attention to the NHL in general. How are you going to be passing your time kind of in this portion of the sports calendar where – we're in between the Super Bowl and March Madness and the playoffs kind of starting. Uh, what What's going to be your main focus over these next few weeks before the tournament gets going? You know, as a fan, I love March Madness. I can't really like I, I don't I don't want to say I don't know enough about college basketball, but I just don't know enough about all the teams to really like go in depth. That's one thing like I'm not going to make a show and like clickbait it where I'm like, yeah, I know all this stuff. And then like, if I don't know, if I don't know everything about what is it? 68 teams. If I don't know every single thing about 68 teams, I'm not doing it. So, so like, but, I, but I will watch and I'll love it. I'll love every minute of it. Like I do every single year. Uh, my main priority right now is once the, hopefully the MLB situation gets figured out, then I'm going to be covering the MLB a lot more. Um, but right now, my main focus in terms of something that's set in stone is the NFL draft. And I, I mean, people just eat up that content. People just love 
that like dream scenario of your, you know what I mean? Of, of something that's never going to happen. That's one of my things that I always say where I'm like, where, where we're arguing in the comment section about, you know, the jets are going to take, you know, Akeem Ikuanu at number four, and they're going to wind up with Kyle Hamilton. Like, you know, like we're, we're just, we're ranting and raving about things that we know nothing about, but that definitely is my main focus right now is just getting that series done. And then I'm probably going to take a little bit of a break once the, th- the 32nd team is done because, uh, you know, got a lot going on with work and stuff and kind of burned out. So, um, yeah, you know, once once that's done, uh, I'm going to take it from there. I, I just take it one month at a time, see what's in front of me, and I'll just focus on that for now. It's the way you got to do it. I will say be on the lookout like you're you follow you follow us just like everybody should and everybody should follow you on on social media as well. I'll give you a chance to, to plug all your pages and everything one more time before we wrap things up. We did a bracket challenge last year for March Madness. We are going to be doing it again, except we're smarter this time. I'm going to make it so that you can submit one bracket and we're going to have a gift card on the line. So hey. uh, we're, I kind of hinted at that in, in the episode that people were able to hear earlier on this week. We will be putting out, uh, it'll be either $150 to $250 gift card on the line for the winner. So uh, you should get involved. You should tell uh, friends of yours to get involved. (laughs) Uh, I hope that, you know, we, we had, we had given away a a t-shirt last year for our winner. So we had a lot of of people excited about it last year, this year with people actually being able to go and we're going to have kind of that March madness feel again. I'm sure we'll, we'll have more, more content coming out surrounding that, but wanted to get that in front of you. Um, And, you know, once again, thank you for your time and uh, tell people where they can find your content, uh, where they should be looking to, to try and get more of the PTV Sports Network. Yeah, this is literally the worst part of every time that I'm on a different. I, I plug myself so horribly because I, I never remember anything. But, uh, you know, if you're looking for draft content of all 32 teams from now up until the NFL draft and beyond, you know, find me PTV Sports Network on YouTube. If you're looking for the podcast on all streaming platforms, PTV Sports Podcast. Uh, on Instagram, I am at PTV Sports Network. And then Twitter, PTV Sports Posts. So that's where you can find me. I'm, I don't really – I post a lot on Instagram, but I'm not really that active there. As you know, I'm pretty active on Twitter. So that's the best place to reach me if you want to uh, If you want to reach out and talk. So, um, Jimmy, man, thank you so much for having me on. That, this was a lot of fun. It was. I uh... – I listening to your show, like I knew we were going to have the New York connection and then seeing your, your email and your last name, I was like, wow, another Italian, like a kindred spirit. <laughs> and I knew how to pronounce your name off the bat without oh, even, that, like, I that was the it. best. That was the best part of it. There you go. <laughs> and I didn't even have to bring up the fact that I have an Italian stallion tattoo, but there we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ever go with like a Rocky t-shirt on You're You're going to think that you want to get that tattooed on you. Anyways, I can't thank you enough for, uh, your time and your insight. Hopefully all of our listeners will go check out your show and your pages as well. Uh, I really enjoy listening to your podcast, but once again, Peter Andrasani of the PTV sports network. Thank you very much for joining us here on the far end of the bench podcast. Everybody else be sure to follow at FEO TV pod, subscribe to our YouTube channel, listen for new episodes every single Wednesday, and we will catch you guys on the next time.